So welcome everyone. You are at Lessons in Listening, How Black and Brown Community-Led Movements Inspire Change. I am Zerlene Hughes with Advancement Project, and I'm joined by Jabari Paul of Ben and & Jerry's. And again, we're really happy to be here for the Calm Network Conference. Um, we will start with a quick introduction of ourselves, and we're going to kind of go on a conversational um, style so that uh, you all can learn a little bit about the work that we are doing um, and offer up some questions of us um, toward the end. So I am, again, Zerlene Hughes-Spruill, pronouns are she, her, and I'm a former journalist who realized when I continued to push for more black and brown stories, sources, reporters, and editors that I was, in fact, biased and more of an advocate. So I later joined what some of us call the dark side, public relations. And so for 14 years, I've worked with uh, criminal justice, legal system, nonprofits, and foundations as the communications manager, consultant, learning the importance of working alongside community members instead of simply on behalf of. And so currently, I am managing director of communications with Advancement Project National Office. We are a national nonprofit, civil rights, racial justice nonprofit with a vision for black and brown people simply living free and safe. We work in the areas of voting rights, immigrant justice, education justice, and the intersection of criminalization and incarceration, um, as well as education justice. So that would be all of the things happening right now in this moment. So Jabari, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Zerlene. And it is a pleasure to be on this platform with everyone and to participate in this session, Lessons and Listening. My name is Jabari Paul. I am the U.S. Activism Manager at Ben & Jerry's. I sit on the social mission team and oversee the advocacy and campaign work that we do um, in the U.S. Um, and our issue territory in the U.S. is focusing on issues of racial justice. We've been fortunate enough to uh, work with Advancement Project over uh, the past couple of years, as well as uh, a few other groups in the uh, social justice space. We have a 40-year history as a company in corporate activism. Uh, it has always been a part of who we are, but on in the aftermath of Ferguson, um, the Ferguson riots in response to um, the incident surrounding Mike Brown is when we became intentional as a company about focusing on issues of racial justice. Following that point, we began to work with groups uh, like the North Carolina NAACP as well as Color of Change, uh, focusing on the 2016 re reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act. Um, following that point, we worked with uh, Reverend Barber around the Poor People's Campaign. And after that, when we asked ourselves the question, when it comes to racial justice, where do we see the most disparate impacts at? Uh, that led us to focusing on the criminal justice system. And um, we've been supporting some of the great work of the affiliates of AP on the ground, uh, targeting everything from uh, disrupting the school to prison pipeline to ending cash bail. So that's a little bit about the company in terms of me. Uh, Zerlene joked that she went over to the dark side. I don't think that communications is the dark side. I really went over to the dark side as my friends would joke and say. Uh, but I actually come out of um, the organizing space, the nonprofit space and working on issues of uh, civil rights. I 
have been involved in the NAACP for many years, as well as, as, well as the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and other civil rights organizations. Um, most recently before this, uh, was working as a contractor to help do some organizing around education equity issues, um, working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then eventually going over to Ben and Jerry's. What inspired me to make that leap was actually a comment that I had read by the former chairman of Ben & Jerry's board that described the company as a social justice organization that sold ice cream in order to further progressive causes. So that's what caused me to go to the dark side. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a good reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> so today we um, are gonna go over a few things. If we don't touch on um, some things that you're interested in learning about, um, let us know in the chat. And so the first thing is uh, the root cause of why we do our work in the moment that we're currently in, um, how we take action, the various grassroots movements that we work with um, led by black and brown communities, what partnership looks like, how we actually enter, how we show up, whether nonprofit, corporate, local or national, um, even working with influencers, and then what success looks like. So, uh, if any of us participating today in Com Network or any of your partners or members didn't previously understand or haven't handled before, they now know that there is in fact a racial justice crisis going on in the United States. The crisis began long before this year's series of events involving Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. In fact, my team um, at Advancement Project right now is working on responses and in tangent with Black Lives Matter, the movement for Black Lives, on the, the grand jury's decision, um, the, the response to the grand uh, jury's decision to indict only one officer involved in Breonna Taylor's murder. This crisis is structural racism and xenophobia. The occurrence of police in schools, primarily schools that have a majority black and brown population, and when they put police in schools in response to shootings, but they're doing it in the black and brown communities, but not across the board. Um, the occurrence is also the harsh and disparate sentencing of black and brown community members, um, injecting policies that are akin to Jim Crow era and bail policies and practices that keep poor and black and brown communities incarcerated while white community members are released on their own recognizance and can actually afford to go back home, return to their job. So that is the structural racism that we're talking about. The nuance to all of this is that we actually have an administration that doesn't just turn a blind eye, but perpetuates the racism, um, the police misconduct, the incarceration and the inhumane treatment, particularly of our immigrant community members. Um, so to nuance, um, the other nuance to all of this is that social justice groups, small and large, local and national, now have the ear, we now have their ear, we now have um, their attention, um, whether it's advocates, policymakers, mainstream media, to actually raise these points that we've been doing at Advancement Project for 20 years, 21 years to be um, exact, to create and change and reimagine safety and to reimagine what justice looks like. Jabbar, you want to talk a little bit about um, the root cause and how Ben & Jerry's has, has integrated its work as a result of? Sure. I think that 
the realization that our company came to is, is that um, when we talk about racism and structural racism, that it permeates every part of our society and that everybody is culpable in it, right? There is no, well, you know, uh, that was my, those were my ancestors who played a part in enslaving people that has nothing to do with me or I, my family can't be traced back to that. Everybody is culpable because um, suffice to say that when we look at the economy and the many things that we benefit from today, we have to understand that that was all built upon a very racist system that took advantage of a marginalized group of people. And um, when we talk about racism, we know that it wasn't, you know, that that's not something that was only felt by uh, black people in this country, but brown people in this country, as well as a lot of other racial uh, demographics in this country. And so um, that's what drove us to um, become intentional about focusing on this work as a business. And I think that there have been two parts of that. One has been an internal journey that we've been on, right, to make sure that we're walking talk and that we are um, becoming um, more equitable by focusing on um, inclusion and equity across all parts of our business. There's been um, a hyper focus by a lot of companies on diversity. Diversity is only one piece of the puzzle. You can have a diverse workplace, but that doesn't mean that it's an anti-racist workplace or it's an, a just workplace. So I think one part of it for us as a company has been that. The other part of it has been the work that I lead at the company, which is, is using our platform and our voice as a business to basically create space for people who uh, wouldn't ordinarily have a platform as large as ours to speak up. So it's basically uh, the company recognizing that it is a majority white company and that um, we can use our privilege, we can use our platform to make space for others. It's not an exercise and calls marketing, but it is um, us really trying to lean into becoming an anti-racist company. And we do that in a few ways. Most importantly, that I alluded to earlier, is we center the voices of people who are directly impacted by the issues that we realize are creating structural racism. And we also center the voices of the subject matter experts like Zerlene, like people at Advancement Project who work closest to people on the front lines. Make no mistake about it, we're very clear that we're an ice cream company and we do very good at making Chunky Monkey and all of the rest of the flavors, Cherry Garcia. But um, we, we do think that uh, by leveraging our business tools that um, not only do we have a role to play in this work of dismantling structural racism, but that uh, we can add value to it by uh, lending um, the same tools that help us to be a successful business every day to also help um, Advancement Project and other groups across the country have winning campaigns. And, and we've had um, a streak of success along those lines. Indeed. So you, you talked about basically the genius of ordinary people, 
um, we are working in communities, we are working on the ground in communities, and we're working not just for, for on a short-term basis. We really have to show up. Um, but I think it's really important to take a look at the words of Ella Baker and, and Martin Luther King, um, where they talk about strong people don't need leaders. It is, in fact, the genius of ordinary people coming together that will build extraordinary, meaningful, and impactful movements. And a case in point right here is a report that Advancement Project did with a group of community members called Ferguson Collaborative. Not a nonprofit, not a, a large organization. This was about eight to 10 community members in Ferguson, Missouri, who were fed up and ready for change. And in this report, we chronicle over five years the, the change that they, um, they led in Ferguson. They were part of the consent decree process and changing policing. They were part of um, city council meetings and they were testifying in court, letting the court know that the Department of Justice was not showing up. And our role at Advancement Project was to help them not come and step all over and you know, um, you know, show our muscle, but to listen, to see what they actually wanted, what the community needed, and offer communication support, offer legal support in the way of um, testimony, how the court system actually works. And five years um, after the killing of Mike Brown in Ferguson, we created the Genius of Ordinary People, how the Ferguson Collaborative became the voice of the community. So this is you know, lesson one in listening and working with grassroots partners is going on a regular basis, talking to the community members versus the policymakers, and, you know, putting empowering um, of communities first and foremost. So much um, in this particular instance where one of the Ferguson Collaborative leaders, Fran, um, decided she wanted to be one of the policymakers, and she is now on the, um, the city council of Ferguson. So we've got a community member who is now part of the, the decision-making process, and she is getting the concerns of the community and making change. And that's, that's, that's what Advancement Project is all about. And I, you know, it's, it, I, I think that I, that's probably why, you know, our relationship works so well together, because I think that we're, we're the exact same way, and that's the exact same mindset that we approach um, building with communities. I mean, what, what we um, had to come to understand is, is that communities don't need a savior, <laughs> right? They need, um, they need allies. They need co-conspirators. They do not need a savior. So I said, by with the age of, you know, corporations who want to be woke, so to say, who want to step in and, and do good, um, gone is the age of, of them playing, you know, the white savior role. I think that the model that we subscribe to, which is what I hear you saying Advancement Project subscribes to too, is this more barn raising approach, where in communities of old people would bring um, you know, all of their talents to one common area and raise a barn together. And I think that that's what we do in coming into partnership with people is figure out a way to work beside them, leverage our resources that we have and build something together. Because the reason that the savior model is so flawed is because if you have 
any one group or institution erecting themselves as the pillar, when that pillar is removed because it's not a sustainable model, then the whole effort collapses on itself. So I think that coming in as a partner and an ally is, is, is the right approach. You, you touched a little bit on what um, showing up in partnership looks like. Um, we both have partners, we share partners, we're one of your partners, you know, in the work. Let's talk about um, how we take action, how we show up, and really what partnership looks like. Um, I think the first piece is, you know, just being authentic. Um, that's something that we've got, you know, on our mission statement. And, and what I mean by authentic is, you know, we, we do want to help. Um, people want our help and we have to show up in a way where it doesn't seem again like we are trying to save everybody. Um, the, the ultimate goal is that for us Advancement Project, you know, that black people, brown people are free and safe. And so we, when we go to a, a community, we are breaking bread together. Um, and I think that's a really important piece. We are having dinner. If someone invites us to their home, we accept um, and we do the same thing. And I think that's a really important piece. It, it may be cultural, it may be regional, you know, Jamara, you're from the South, but you know, for us um, to be in conversation and to gain trust, it's about, um, you know, being in community. And another piece, you know, some, many of us are from corporations and, you know, we have a dress code. We need to be in that suit and that tie. And I think another really important piece is knowing who your client, um, your partner is, where they're coming from, and arriving in a way where you are telling them, I understand who you are, where you are, and I've got on, you know, maybe my, my suit shirt, but not my jacket. Or I've got on um, maybe a tie, but not, you know, the bow tie. Or it's, you know what, let's do this on the groundwork and show up like we're working on the ground ready to protest um, in our genes. So I think even small pieces like that is really very important um, regarding showing up. Um, yeah, I know. I, I mean, so Zerlene knows that, uh, well, that this is not my ordinary, <laughs> ordinary dress. So Ben and Jerry's in full disclosure has a very hippish culture. It was something that I had to get used to when I first got to the company. <laughs> they actually advise you when you come in for interviews at the company not to wear a short shirt and tie. So this is, <laughs> this is not, this is the insistence of my wife. Uh, to, to put on a, a collar shirt. Understood. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think that that's exactly right. And I think that, I think that what you're, what I hear it kind of in all of that is, is that um, trying to find a way um, to the opposite of kind of that authentic relationship, not to be so transactional. And I think that that's what we focus heavily on, deep relationship building. Um, and, 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 and developing relationships. I mean, Zerlene and I talk all the time with each other. We bounce text messages back and forth. We are, we are using, you know, we are soundboards for each other, sounding boards for each other to bounce ideas. And for us as a company, um, that one that is adhering to that philosophy of centering the voices of people who work closest to 
those on the front lines. But it, frankly, it also serves as a safety mechanism because it mitigates the risk of us stepping out and saying anything crazy if we're constantly doing temperature checks with our partners just to figure out where they are. Because again, they are closest to the kind of movement work that is, um, that is happening. So I think that's one thing. The other thing that I'll say is, is that um, when we talk about the way in which Ben and Jerry's partners is, is that our partners are really developing the strategy around what the work will look like. I think where uh, we lend our experts, expertise, excuse me, is um, so we don't to that stand to that point of not being transactional. We don't do a lot of corporate giving, but I would say the in-kind value of what we um, work with organizations to give is, is just as much as writing a big corporate check. And sure. um, the, what I mean by we leverage our business tools is like, it's figuring out a way of how can we put uh, information about um, the free and safe campaign that Advancement Project has in each one of our 300 brick and mortars across the country. How can we uh, use our pints to uh, talk about the issue and use creative artwork like with Justice Remits to pull people in because our retailers are the kind of number one customer. So we know that that's a large touch point, right? How can we use our in-house talent to curate content for uh, both long and short form content that we would do to kind of market our product? How can we use that as a resource to bring people in and move them up a ladder of engagement within organizations like Advancement Project from awareness building to um, a CTA, a call to action, and ultimately trying to get our fans to become activists in organizations like Advancement Project. So the strategy that we think about is around how we can maximize the use of our tools, but we completely rely on our partners in terms of the policy strategy or the strategy to seek the systemic change. We are kind of thinking more so from a tactical standpoint and how we get the most bang out of all of the tools that we have at our disposal as a business that we can apply to helping our partners over watershed moments. And so a few other tips um, we'd like to share with regard to listening includes, again, putting the partner first. And I mean, literally, you know, when it comes to advancement project and our model of working with communities, with grassroots organizations, we will help um, in the way of doing social media posts or offering instruction on social media, how to write a tweet, for example. We will create press releases. And in fact, um, I'm sharing, oh, I'm sharing um, Dream Defenders who we work with collectively in Florida. So earlier this year at the start of the pandemic, um, Florida was one of the first to have their, their primary elections. And we learned through Dream Defenders that some of their members, their student members, were not able to vote. They had been sent home. They were out now of their, their voting area and they couldn't vote. 
And so we were able to partner with one of the Dream Defenders members and create with them content that was posted on Teen Vogue. This was the story of Tariana Spellman explaining in her own words what it was like to go through the process of learning about COVID-19, being away, being, you know, cast away from her campus and realizing, wait, where am I going to vote? And she, um, until about seven o'clock, thought she was not going to be able to vote. Um, not until um, organizations like ours stepped in to try to figure out, you know, election protection issues and where she could, you know, vote um, as a result of the, the pandemic. Um, but she was thinking, this is it. And so we helped in the writing of this. We did not put our name on it at all. Teen Vogue is one of the hottest places right now, but we had to understand this is our moment to step back and to let someone tell their actual story. So that is a really big piece in listening and um, working with organizations. Um, I wanted to offer something else. So here is, um, we also work with the Close the Workhouse um, campaign. This was an effort in St. Louis, only a two-year effort, it's fantastic, to close the jail um, known as the workhouse. And we worked on this together, right, Jabari? Absolutely. And this was a true um, example model of partnership with grassroots agencies, a national nonprofit, a large corporation, where we were working with these small organizations in St. Louis um, on the litigation aspects, suing about the, on the bail issues, you know, it was illegal. People were in jail for more than um, 200 days just because they couldn't afford the bail. They lost their jobs. They, some, many lost their families. And so we worked together for a solid um, two years on the, um, the campaign in court. And we were able to give the Close the Workhouse campaign so much in the way of resources and training and how to bring members in that they don't even need us anymore. Um, so before our logos were on some of their work, but here you'll see on their website, now that the workhouse is closed, um, now that they are moving on to the rest of their campaigns, they can do it on their own. And that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for empowerment. And Ben and Jerry's brought in their muscle um, literally, Ben and Jerry were at the press <laughs> conference. Um, and you can take a quick look here where this is our Justice Project Director, Thomas Harvey, first and foremost, talking about the. We are committed to the work in St. Louis and come back here on a monthly basis to support this amazing campaign is because. The Close the Workhouse campaign exemplifies the kind of work that Advancement Project wants to do across the country. We work with organizers like Kayla Reed and Montega Simmons. We work with activists. We work with Blake Strode, Jackie Lanham. We work with a multitude of people who are doing legal work, they're doing organizing work, and they're doing campaigns to transform the criminal legal system so that was uh, Jabari over there with, with your, your boss. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> so that is an example right there. Even when we 
um, volunteer ourselves. Um, no, not volunteer ourselves, but when folks volunteer us, they're like, no, we want you to be at the forefront as well. We will still talk about the, the partners, the partnerships, the other organizations, even the individuals. And I think that's a really important piece in working with grassroots organizations. Um, I wanted to allow some opportunity to talk about Ben and Jerry's Advancement Project collaboration, um, which still involved listening, um, listening to grassroots organizations um, and amplifying the work of um, our partners in St. Louis and Florida, um, and still helping to amplify and put a spotlight on Advancement Project. Would you like to go into that? Um, maybe I could start with that video first. Yeah, go ahead. I think that'd be great. So I think that video um, is a great example of the many things that we bring to bear in partnerships, really um, centered around putting the partner first. Um, so for one, our creating the content itself, right? Uh, content creation, storytelling. Um, again, these are skills, tools that we would use every day in the um, you know, regular business operations that we try to figure out how to do that to um, compel people to really get engaged, get involved and support the work of our partners. And, you know, of course, the, the flavor development and um, the uh, using influencers, but using influencers not in a way to promote the brand, to market the product, but using influencers in a way to uplift the issues. Now, this was a little bit different because Jesse just so happens to serve on the board of directors for Advancement Project National Office. 
um, for those of you who didn't recognize the dreamy Jesse Williams from Grace. <laughs> um, but, you know, we commonly uh, use influencers uh, also, and we have influencers that approach us uh, all the time to work with us. And one of the things that we that we often say to influencers who approach us is, is that uh, we'd love to work with you if you're open to triangulating a relationship because we would want to work with you to help uplift the issues that we care about in the groups who are working to advance whatever those issues are. And so that's what we were able to do working uh, with Advancement Project. And um, our relationship started uh, really at the beginning, two years ago. And uh, Zerlene mentioned our work together around um, Close the Workhouse in St. Louis, focusing on, you know, um, issues of money bail, divesting from the prison industrial complex, um, and investing into community programs, which is exactly what that bill that shut down the workhouse in St. Louis did. It took that money away from uh, that workhouse where at one point, 90% of people there were on pretrial detention. They were just too poor to build themselves out and it put it back into community programs. We have also worked together supporting another organization, the Power Youth Center for Social Change down in Miami, where the focus has more so been um, uh, disrupting the school to prison pipeline. And um, more specifically, Zerlene touched upon this earlier, getting cops out of school because we see the overcriminalization of black and brown children and then them getting called up into the system. And so we've worked together to uh, support efforts down there too. And um, yeah, it's been great. I don't, I, don't, I don't really have anything else to add. We, we give credit where credit is due. All of the success that has happened, Power U has had success in adding counselors, um, getting the Miami-Dade School District to hire counselors. Um, Close to Workhouse has been successful in, um, in you know, shutting down that jail there. But all of this is to the credit of the organizers. Ben and Jairus is just proud to be a partner and proud to have said, ha, ha, to be able to say that we had something to do with it by leveraging our resources. Can you um, talk a little bit about, we've got a question about the, the conversion. How do you measure the conversion of, of fans to action takers? Worked on this. We had petitions on your side. We and you, mm -hmm. it's petitions. Is is so, so we set KPIs uh, just for you know um, this part of the business, just as we would other parts of the business. So we our measurement tools are everything from impressions on social to uh, you know actions, the number of actions taken. Um, through our, our web platform, the number of contacts uh, collected, um, that we share that information with Advancement Projects so that they can use that information to push for policy change. Um, sometimes we even, <laughs> when, when we were uh, in Miami working with uh, Advancement Project Empower You, one of the uh, measurement tools was even the number of scoops of ice cream that were given away, <laughs> that were given away. Uh, because again, uh, for us, the ice cream is just the hook, right? 
uh, I know the people at the company always, because um, again, I don't come from a traditional corporate background. The people at the company always probably cringe a little bit when I say this, but I I call it the the kind of bait and switch model. You know, we pull them in with ice cream, and then when we hook them with ice cream, we try to send them to advancement projects. So there are a number of measurement tools that we use. And then someone has asked about press releases um, and how they don't seem to be effective anymore. I'd like to speak to that. I think the press release still makes all the difference. Um, what the issue is, is who we're sending it to. We have to have a very, very current updated list of media outlets, of reporters. Reporters still have beats. So if we are talking about um, writing um, a press release on some new um, fashion uh, line, we want to make sure to send that to a Metro reporter. That's really got to go to, my apologies, we have to go to um, a media list or even just Google and monitor and actually listen to the media. We have social media listening. We need to also do traditional media listening to figure out who the right reporters and editors and producers are. Um, we still get great responses from press releases, but on, on busy days um, when the news cycle is crazy, like today, for example, um, it makes all the difference if you have the right contact. You also have to um, have a relationship and it, that's really challenging, especially in these times. Like we're, we're pitching right now um, to newspapers and there's nobody at the actual news, um, the newsroom um, because everyone's working from home. But if we have those relationships, we may have a few cell phone numbers of reporters. And I think that's um, what we should be leaning into. Of course, there still is Instagram where you can just slap a um, a press statement up there and, and everyone can read it very quickly, easily digestible. And there's um, social media where you can tweet something out and people are redirected to your website, but it still should be in some sort of a press release form. And Ben and Jerry's too um, makes use of that and they have a, a very updated media list that we've been able to um, work with. Um, so that would be my answer to that question. Yeah, and we develop that media list by uh, every time we do flavor uh, releases, we always send a special package to <laughs> to members of the press. But again, we leverage that to the benefit of our partners. And even when we, you know, sometimes we understand how if we are able to say uh, that Ben and Jerry themselves are going to be a part of the event, it'll draw media and media pay attention, whereas um, you know, otherwise they they may not have. So we leverage our co-founders to 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 draw people in, and I think that there's the potential of all businesses to think of something that they have because they do have large platforms and large microphones to uh, be in service of or to the advantage of um, movement leaders and and movement organizations out there. And so. So talk a little bit about um, the work you do outside of uh, your partnership with the Advancement Project National Office. It may be good to go into um, perhaps your, your George Floyd statement that got a lot of attention. Um, and then we have a few more questions and I've got it right here for folks to see. Yeah, um, you know, a few things about that. One is, is that 
this wasn't a, a new statement. This was, uh, for us, the evolution of uh, an existing position basically distilled into kind of like this 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 online um, piece that we that we published but we thought it was important to say so um if some people may remember but in 2016 we we came out as a corporation in support of black lives matter with a statement and um uh, we had since that point been talking about issues of racial justice um a part of what's built into the ethos of our company as well as our company mission is to be an influencer of other brands. And so that's why beneath this statement, we must dismantle white supremacy is silence is not an option. That everyone should be outspoken about issues of injustice in our country. That includes businesses. And so this was us basically putting our values on the front line and in, in, in saying to people exactly, you know, how we felt as a company. I also think that uh, statements are not enough um, and that companies should go further than just statements. And I don't only mean in terms of um, the kind of external facing work that they do, but also the internal facing work. And certainly, um, that is what we we endeavor to do each and every day. And I think that, let me also say that I think that there is a value of um, companies really focusing on um, forging these deep, authentic relationships with groups who are in the movement building space because it helps to hold them accountable. Um, I'm under no illusion that as uh, close of a relationship as we have with Advancement Project, that Advancement Project won't pull us by the coattail <laughs> and tell us, you know, if there is a misstep that we're making or that there is something that we're 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 not doing right. So, um, so yeah, that that was the thinking behind the statement. This was, you know, this came from inside the company. It was a, a company statement, but at the same time, it was something that we also um, temperature checked or get checked with, uh, with different partners of, uh, of, of ours, uh, just in terms of not so much of if we were going to do this. I mean, that, that part was certain because we felt that we had to do this on our own. But just uh, from the standpoint of um, making sure that that we were were right in kind of the the the, the criticalness of the moment to speak out. Um, I think that we we recognize we 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 saw too much of an existential threat, and we continue to see that those existential threats uh, not to be outspoken on these issues. Appreciate that. So there's some um, comments as well regarding um, storytelling and partnership. I wanted to address one. One is we're a foundation and we want to uplift our partners' work without feeling like we're co-opting um, folks' stories. Um, looking for thoughts on how to build partner capacity, tell and share their own stories, and using and building a platform to do better, to better do our work and supporting theirs. Um, I can speak a bit to this. Storytelling is, is quite important. 
right now and always has been. And I think it's really helpful when, again, we are able to bring in the people that are impacted by an issue. Um, bringing them in would mean, again, being in relationship, having a long-term relationship with them so that you are trusted and that it's a almost a friendship where they are able to, to relay their thoughts and that they are comfortable enough to have those thoughts put on paper, on screen, and to also live forever. Um, that's a really important piece right there. Some folks may want to talk to you, but they might not necessarily realize that you're, you're talking to them to put that information um, for, for mass consumption. So that's a really big piece is to make sure that you are upfront on what the, the goal is. Um, but again, with storytelling, it's great if you can have the same person or the same team of people in communication with folk to collect stories, to be in community, and to post them on a very regular basis. And a story does not have to be 700 words or even 300 words. A story can be relayed um, in, in audio, in video, in um, Twitter characters, as long as you know an image of that person and their true voice um, is there. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, if, if you have the capacity or the, the, the budget investing in someone um, who is in fact a storyteller, Advancement Project um, has just announced a, a new position called Social Impact Storyteller because even though we have the rest of our team to, to interview, to talk to, to create content, we still recognize the value in storytelling um, and all the various ways that we can do that. Another question um, that we have has to do with, um, this is for you, Jabari, how would you characterize the decision-making role and inclusion you feel internally at Ben & Jerry's? Too often corporations pay lip service to these values, but the internal power structure doesn't allow a lot of space for this type of activity. Have you found it to be different at Ben & Jerry's and what's the structure like? And you touched on this a little bit, but if you could expound on that. Yeah, I mean, I really have no, nothing to compare it to because I haven't worked at the corporate sector before. Um, but I, I would say that, uh, you know, we, it's, it's a very cross-functional position, um, but certainly within my scope of work, I, I feel that I have a lot of um, uh, decision-making authority, but rarely do I make decisions in 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 a vacuum um you know it's, it's constantly um talking it out with different people and i think that that's important from the standpoint of trying to figure out the the right tactic sometimes you know i've developed this complex where sometimes i go to our marketing team and i say we need to do this <laughs> And they said, well, you know, that's great in kind of theory, but uh, here, here are the realities that, that we have to face. And sometimes the points that they raise are, are very valid. And then, um, you know, there are some, whether it's our product development or whether it's our retail operations, I mean, there are some real kind of um, uh limitations, but it, it doesn't have to do from an inclusion standpoint. And I guess the best case um, of that or the, base, the best case in point of that is even thinking about how we leverage our 
uh, 300 scoop shops across the country to uh, be in service of the efforts that we support. So we don't have a Starbucks model where all of the stores are corporate owned. Our shops are independently owned and franchised. And so a lot of my time at the company is also as external facing as my position is, is also developing and bringing internal audiences on a journey to learn more about this work and gain a deeper understanding because that then helps me to be able to approach a franchisee and say, hey, this is a great opportunity. It aligns with the brand values and, you know, will, will you support us on this? And um, all of our franchisees are, are very amenable um, in most instances to work with us and to support the work of um, the, the groups and causes that we, uh, that we rally for. But it's because I've spent time and others have spent time cultivating that audience and, and, giving, and helping them gain a deeper understanding of the issues that we are working on. So we do trainings um, and we invite groups in like Advancement Project to, to talk to our franchisees. I don't know if Zerlene remembers this, when we first went to St. Louis together, we spent the whole day where closed the workhouse people, we shut down the Ben and Jerry shop and closed the workhouse people came into the shop and they did a training around what the workhouse was all about um, for our scoop shop employees. Yes, I do remember that. That was really great. And rehearsing with them so that whenever a, um, a consumer came in to purchase the ice cream that they would know exactly what to talk about and then um, allow folks to text to get more information. That was awesome. Um, so to talk about um, what success looks like, we've, we've addressed the, the closing the workhouse. Um, after two years, after a combined um, campaign with the grassroots organizations, national organizations, and a corporation, we've talked about um, using, we didn't talk about, but there was use of a billboard as well, um, you know, garnering um, money and messaging and doing that. Also, there's the petitions and the text um, for more information or the text to, um, to get people to, to go to a website to get more information. Um, someone asked about petitions. So Advancement Project did in fact have a Breonna Taylor town hall, for example, back in, I think it was, ooh, April or May. And we also introduced with the help of um, some influencer celebrities, a, a <clears throat> excuse me, a petition that petition, even though we had influencers behind it, even though we asked them to put the, um, the link on their social media channels, did not go far. Um, and we're still promoting it. So in many cases, um, that might not offer as much success as we'd like in order to give that information, give the petition to a policymaker. However, when we collect information, if done right, we have contact information from the people that are um, offering their uh, their sign off on an issue or on a camp on a campaign because we have those phone numbers or addresses we are able to hone in on what people appreciate what their social um, justice issues are 
so that we can send messages to them so that we can in turn start conversations find perhaps an impacted person and turn that petition engagement into yet another story that we can um, offer to policymakers that we can offer on our website um, to exact change. So if you don't find that your petition is going anywhere, if um, done right, because there are some petition um, platforms where you can't get that information, um, you can still exact change. I wanted to know um, if there are any other questions as we talk about our key takeaways and get you all moving to the next um, session. Um, we wanted to make sure that uh, we went over the value of listening um, and, you know, what that actually meant, you know, showing up, being there long term and being authentic. Um, we want to talk about taking action, whether it was the, the press releases or the petitions, um, being in community and partnership, putting self second, um, whether it's related to interviews, press conferences. Um, I, we didn't necessarily go to um, touch on being flexible. So I think we can end on being flexible. And I know Jabari, you can speak to that. Um, as we're working with grassroots organizations, many of these organizations are volunteers. Um, so they can't put in eight hours a day. Some of them um, may not have um, smartphone access and we or email. And so we have to wait until they're available to give us a call um, so that we understand the direction that they wanna go in. Um, so you want to talk very quickly about that, and I think we have um, maybe two more questions. Yeah, I mean, um, you certainly learn patience. <laughs> and I think it's important to have, you know, um, like you said, I think you have to realize everybody's circumstances. And that's a part of doing this work in an equitable way, right? Realizing that some people do have nine to fives. Um, realizing that everyone can't be on 24 hours. Um, and so I think that that's, that's, a, that's a part of it. The other thing that I just want to raise in this is, is that there's also the realization for us at the company, and I'm sure you at, in uh, folks at Advancement Project as well, Zerlene, that the type of issues that we're in, in endeavoring to kind of address are tough issues, you know, there are systemic issues, there are, it, it takes a lot of slogging to kind of get through it, you know. Um, I, I, you know, I'll lift up close to workhouse again as an example of that, you know. I think that there was this, there's, there are these kind of peak moments where people kind of see all of the attention and the, the praise that are given for the work, but uh, you know, it, there were many times when we were working and there wasn't any attention and, you know, we were strategizing about how to build momentum for the campaign. So it's having patience with the organizers on the ground. It's having patience with the circumstances. You know, there were times when we got frustrated because the board of aldermen there weren't meeting on a routine basis and we had to wait for things. So I think it's just realizing that this is not always easy selling work and that you you must be flexible and nimble and kind of be able to go with the flow in many instances. Indeed. Um, someone has asked about doing one-off press releases or one-off um, 
activities to help organizations and I'll read the question very quickly. So can you talk about how you balance helping organizations with one off things like writing press releases, getting media placements, etc, and making sure they have what they need to do this on their own in the future. Um, again, this is what we do at advancement project and you know it, it takes a few meetings to, to do this. Um, but, you know, we will get on the phone, we will get on a, a virtual call and walk folks through the process. We will even go um, directly to them, whether East Coast, West Coast, down South or what have you, um, and do a training. We'll, if they have the opportunity and the time, we will do like a full day or a half day training so that they understand um, the, the technical aspects of sending a press release, so they understand the form and format. Um, so that they can, they're empowered to do this on their own. Um, we still, however, will step in whenever they ask um, so that we can assist with that effort while they are working on the ground to set up a press conference, for example, or trying to find folks that are impacted to speak on the issue and that can actually be quoted in the press release. Um, so it's a series of um, pieces, but I think being able to, to actually do some in-person or even virtual trainings makes all the difference. Um, walking them through the steps and what we may give them is um, a media list. You know, many of us have Cision or Meltwater, um, so we may um, figure out who the media is that they are to, they need to um, be in touch with and just give them that list. But in many situations, because we have a, um, a pretty large communications team for a nonprofit, um, we will assign something to somebody, they'll take care of it, but they still are in very close contact uh, with that grassroots organization. Um, and then finally, when amplifying the voices of black and brown communities working on the front lines, what should communicators keep in mind to provide a platform for authentic storytelling while also avoiding putting the emotional burden on those communities? That's a really important piece. We definitely don't want folks to relive their trauma. Um, we do a lot of work, um, especially right now with um, family members of those who are incarcerated and we um, have five pieces of litigation in uh, various counties trying to get folks out of jail um, so that there's before there's a COVID-19 outbreak and so when we are speaking to people they're crying over the phone we are trying to 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 be there for them so I think again having a relationship um, is important if you're in a rapid response breaking um, news moment and you are trying to talk to somebody that you've never met, um, I think explaining to them the import of hearing their story, um, but also asking pointed questions um, that maybe doesn't exactly point them and their experience, you may still get um, some information, some rich information that can help um, with the storytelling aspect that you could add to a press release or some sort of a social media story. But also it's helpful if you know someone who knows that impacted person to kind of understand that personality um, and their experience. So whatever you do say to them um, doesn't conjure too much emotion and, and trauma. All right, well, we are really um, excited to have been here. If you all have any questions and would like to follow up with us, please um, send us a message. Um, and we do hope that the things that you've learned today and will continue to learn for the next few days um, is helpful 
and will help to amplify the work and the, um, the diversity aspects. I mean, we're in a moment right now where everyone's work is shifting and we're hoping that some of the information we offered will help you in, in moving the needle. Um, for us, I think together, Jabari, success looks like, again, free and safe communities. It looks like um, corporations who are, are more diverse um, it looks like for us at Advancement Project, um, a country um, that appreciates the pieces of work, um, the contributions that we um, offer. And I think the last piece is, you know, in 2045, we are going to be, we black and brown people, folks that are traditionally labeled as minorities, we are going to be the majority. And we want to make sure that folks are empowered and feel like they can move through 2045 um, without all the hassles, without the, the unjust policies, um, and, and be able to thrive. That's a mic drop moment. I don't think that there's anything else I can add to make that better. It's been a pleasure joining everyone on this platform. Thank you so much, Jolene, for inviting me into this conversation. I will correct one thing on the screen. My email is jabari.paul at benjera.com. Uh, no, but it's all, it's all good. I didn't want people to think I was blocking their emails or <laughs> sending them to the wrong place. But nice talking to everyone. And um, yeah, I look forward to um, all that is going to come out as a result of this. Take care, everyone. Hey, everybody.